Hafei, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hearthstone Deck Text. Today we are we're putting this uh, podcast out early, a couple of days early, so that you have time to listen to it and prepare for the expansion, which comes out on Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday my time. Um, I've made a document that you can see in the description of the podcast that I'll show you the deck list and me. And for those of you who need visuals, you get to see a visual representation of what we're going to play with different decks. Um, there are a bunch of different decks to play, different archetypes, new or re, uh, refinements of existing archetypes. There's a bunch of that. So today I want to cover more of the newer stuff, you know, things that uh, haven't been in play for a while, uh, totally new archetypes um, that are pretty cool. We'll do one for wild, and we'll do like six decks for standard. But before we get onto the uh, new like test type of decks, we are going to talk about an existing deck that got refined. And if for if you're trying to get legend on the ladder, or you're trying to rank up higher than you've ever ranked, uh, now is the perfect time to play because uh, when the expansion hits, a lot of people are going to have the same mentality and they are going to try a bunch of new ideas and decks. And because they're new ideas, they are not going to be optimal. Uh, they might be very greedy, um, and they might just not work, period. So you can exploit that by just playing a very consistent and op optimal kind of list. Typically, Miracle Rogue is that deck because Miracle Rogue um, is very consistent, and it has a very powerful draw engine. Um, so Miracle Rogue is typically during the start of an expansion or when the expansion is coming to an end, it's usually a, it's, it's, it has a high win rates. Uh, but today we're just going to talk about something a little more lean, and that is Odd Rogue. So um, Odd Rogue is the perfect type of deck to play in this, in this kind of situation when the expansion hits because it's very aggressive and uh, it's very optimal. And... I'm going to be talking about a list that only has one new card, and that new card is Mira's Unstable Element. So let me give you the deck list first. And this is going to, long, this is going to be a pretty long podcast. We have seven deck lists to talk about, okay? So we have two Cold Bloods, uh, two Deadly Poisons, two Blink Foxes, one Edwin Van Cleef, two SI7 Agents, one Mira's Unstable Element, two Vile Spine Slayers, one Argent Squire, two Dire Moss, two Fireflies, two South Sea Deccans, three Death Speakers, I'm sorry, two Death Speakers, two Hench Clan Thugs, one King Mukla, one Tangle for Mystic, one Captain Greenskin, two Fungal Mancers, one Leroy, and one Baku the Moon Eater. So, looking at this list, it's very, very typical Odd Rogue. A lot of one drops and a fat amount of three drops and a decent amount of five drops to curve out, right, with Baku at the end. Uh, you know, Odd Rogue is very simple to play. You play a one drop on turn one. Turn two, you use your hero power. Turn three, you ideally play a Hench Clan Thug uh, or a King Mukla. And from that point on, you ride that to victory. You ride that kind of tempo to victory. Um, the only new card, like I said, is Mira's Unstable Element. It is a five mana spell for rogue and is a legendary spell can you so you can only carry one and it says draw the rest of your deck so if you have 20 cards in your deck and you have five cards in hand you play this that means you're going to draw all 20 cards but you're going to burn for like 14 cards right like you you'll never see those cards 
like you'll draw five and then everything else will just be your hand is too full and you'll lose those cards, right? Um, but this is not a problem for Odd Rogue. Odd Rogue wants to win by turn six or seven, right? Like you, you're trying to close the game out relatively early. Um, and what Mirrors Unstable Element does is when you are very have very few cards in hand, it refills your hand, basically, and gets you a, a bunch of other answers, you know, a bunch of other cards that you can play on the board and hopefully find lethal with. Now, think about... You're going to burn for a bunch of cards. Like, let's say it's turn eight, okay? And, you know, you have two cards in hand. You play Mirrors. You fill your card. Now you have ten cards in hand. And, you know, you burned 14 cards from your deck or whatever it may be, right? That doesn't matter at all, okay? Because think about all the games as Odd Rogue where you've fatigued. And there aren't very many, okay? So you can't think of cards in your deck that you've burned as cards that you would have ever drawn anyway. If it's at the bottom of the deck, you're never going to see it. The, li the likelihood is you're never going to see that card no matter what. So it's okay. It's as if the card didn't exist. So basically, Mirror's Unstable Element, even though it says five mana, draw the rest of your deck, you should be looking at it as five mana, fill your hand. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't matter what's, what's past that. You, you wouldn't have been able to play any of those anyway. So... Uh, that's the deck. You know, obviously you want to keep one drops. You want to keep Hench Clan Thug. And you want to mulligan pretty aggressively for that. So mulligan aggressively and then keep a one drop if you can. Uh, it's got a plethora of three drops to try. Blink, Fox, SI7, Agent. One is a value three drop. Uh, one is an anti-aggro three drop. It has Death Speaker, which is a zoo type of three drop. Allows you to trade up. Uh, or allows you to keep your hench clan thug at, at a stronger health. We have a anti-control three drop in King Mukla. It's a very good body, three, four, five, five, and it gives bananas, which means it fills your opponent's hand, which means he may not be able to buff that. Uh, or, you know, he, he may not be able to play certain cards. We have Tangle for Mystic, you know, uh, which is a pretty decent three drop. It's worth trying because your weapon will very likely be able to take care of the two drop that you give your opponent. And then we got the pretty solid tight end, uh, top end, you know, two Vile Spine Slayers as removal, Captain Greenscreen to buff your weapon, Fungal Mancers to buff your board, and Leroy for burst. It's just a really, really fine-tuned deck, and it's probably going to be very, very strong. I'd say this is a craft. Like, if you're just, if you're looking to win the game, craft yourself a Mirrors Unstable Element and play this deck. I don't, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong playing this. It is a very, very strong deck. One more deck that is a variation of an existing uh, deck is what I like to call Academy Rogue. So basically, this is a tempo rogue, but instead of the tempo cards like uh, Cold Blood or Leroy, we go for value cards like Blink Fox and uh, Academic Espionage. So here is the list, okay? For neutrals, we have two Fireflies, two Augmented Elex, two Hench Clan Thugs. And the other 24 cards are all Rogue cards. We have <clears throat> two backstab, Backstabs, two Preps, one Shadow Step, two Eviscerates, two Saps, one Shiv, one Blink Fox, one Van Cleef, one Phantom Knives, one SI7 Agent, one Academic Espionage, 
two elven minstrels, two falderized striders, two vile spine slayers, two sprints, and one test Greymane. So there are a couple cards here that you may be unfamiliar with. Number one is Tess Greymane, which is an eight-mana legendary for 6-6 six, six creature. Battlecry, replay every card from another class you play this game. Uh, it is a value play. Um, and it doesn't see a lot of play just because there, up until this point, there hasn't been a lot of way, a lot of ways to generate good plays um, and, and maintain tempo with the deck. Right? And we're hoping that now, with some cards that have been introduced, we can change that. Uh, those cards are Augmented Elec, which is a neutral 3-mana, three 3-4 three, beast. Whenever you shuffle a card into a deck, shuffle in an extra copy, which has great synergy with a number of 4-drops in the deck, namely Falderai Strider, 4-4-4-4, four, 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 Battlecry, shuffle 3 ambushes into your deck. So if you keep an Augmented Elec on turn 3 on curve, you follow it up with a turn 4 Falderai Strider. That means you put 6 ambushes in the deck. Right, so that means you get to your ambushes a lot quicker. Uh, it's a nice, simple combo. And our other new four drop, which is a spell, it's an epic spell. It's called Academic Espionage. Shuffle ten cards from your opponent's class into your deck. They cost one mana. Now, this is a tempo loss, but it's a huge value game. If you play this on turn four, you build no board, right? You waste a turn to throw 10 more cards into your deck, which means you effectively increase the size of your deck by close to 25, 30%. Uh, and you don't draw anything. Like, you know, you basically just made your deck bigger. The great thing about this is any card you draw only costs one. Any uh, class card that you draw for, for your opponent only costs one. And typically, this is going to be a huge value. Can you imagine getting a Death Knight, like a Malfurion from a Druid, or an Ultimate Infestation, or a Spreading Plague, or even a Wrath, or even a Nourish, right? There's huge value in that. Um, can you imagine hitting this against Priest and getting Power Word Shield, which keeps it at the same value? Um, you know, uh, Holy Fire. Like, there's any number of cool things. Th thought Steel. There, there, there's any number of cool things that you can get with an academic espionage, and it just happens to have synergy with augmented elec. So if you play an elec, instead of suffer, uh, shuffling 10 cards, you're going to shuffle 20 cards, which is, you know, that, that may not be the perfect answer. Like, 20 cards in the deck means 20 more cards that you have to get to to get to your cards. And that's why the deck runs quite a bit of draw. We run one shiv. We run the Shadow Step to, you know, maybe bounce back in Elven Minstrel. We run Double Sprint sprint and Double Prep, right? Um, and remember, any of these cards that you play off of Espionage, once you get Tess Greymane, you play that, those cards are played again. So there really is a strong amount of value there. And also, because these cards are one-drops, they become cheap combo activators. So now you don't have to hold on to a Firefly. Uh, now you don't have to hold on to... Uh, you know, a cheap card in order to activate like something like Vile Spine Slayer or SI7 Agent or even Edwin Van Cleef. And it gives the deck, while the deck doesn't isn't as aggressive anymore, now it's got way more value. And I think it's a little fun. You know, and, and one of the biggest parts of Hearthstone is having fun. So I, is the deck a tier one deck? Probably not. Is the deck good? It's probably pretty good. 
you know, and I bet you it's very, very fun. It's it's a new take on an existing archetype that we've slowed it down a lot, but instead of speed, we've added a lot of value, right? So I think it was a very interesting build. Now, the other thing I want to touch upon with this deck is a core deck building concept, okay? Typically, if you want consistency, you should play the maximum number of a particular card, right? If you want to have a one drop on turn one, you should play as many one drops as possible, right? Like maybe eight. This is called the hypergeometric distribution, right? Um, well, you know, how many cards of a certain casting cost do you need to play in a deck in order to have it on a particular term, turn, okay? This is the same things with dragons. How many dragons do you have to play in your deck to make sure that on turn one, you have a dragon activator for a certain card or turn four or whatever? This is a statistic, statistical thing called hypergeometric distribution. If you guys are interested in that, I can write an article about that for some other time. But you'll notice in this deck, for the three chop slot, we have a bunch of one ofs. We have the we have the two Alex and the two Hench Clan thugs. Um, those are vital to my game plan, so I have as many copies of, as I can. But you'll notice that we have a Blink Fox, we have a Shiv, one Shiv, uh, we have one Shadow Step, we have one Fan of Knives, we have one SI Seven Agent. You know, we have we have the rest of this three to drop package is not consistent. We're not running double SI Seven Agent. We're not running double Blink Fox. You know, we're not running double shiv. And the question is why, you know? And the reason why is right now the meta will be shaking up. We do not know what people will play. We do not know if decks will be uh, incredibly aggressive. We don't know if they will be incredibly greedy. You know, we don't know. You know, we don't know how that meta will shape up. So we should pick a versatile tool set so that we can deal with all things. Um at an even keel, you know, why be like, we could, if we wanted to be, uh, err on the side of caution and just be anti-aggressive and play double SI seven agents. But there's no reason for that because we don't know our, our opponents haven't shown that they're going to, that the meta is going to be extremely aggressive. We don't know. So by playing all these one ofs, you, you lose consistency, but you build versatility. Right. And right now, since the meta is wide open, uh, that's what we're going to do. And if the deck turns out that it's pretty decent and, you know, it turns out that most people are playing aggro, then we'll become, we'll go, we'll put more SI seven agents and cut out a blink Fox or something. If it turns out the decks or opponents are being more value oriented, then we'll cut the SI seven agent and play another shiv or another blink Fox. You know, there are different ways to, to address the meta game. Right. And it all comes down to your initial deck building and just accepting the fact that, you know, hey, this deck or a deck may be bad now, but it'll be good in a different situation. Or, you know, if I make two changes to a deck, it's going to be way better versus this particular meta. And I think this particular archetype is so good at uh, sh showing that. You know what I mean? Like here we have a very standard deck that runs with a bunch of A-class uh, rogue cards. And by making small adjustments and minor tweaks, you'll be able to combat uh, a wide variety of metagame decks. So, you know, this is definitely one deck to play. You can see it in the deck code. It's called Academic Rogue, right? Uh, or Academy Rogue. And the, the deck code is there. Check that one out. So, so far we talked about two decks. We have five more decks to talk about. We're going to talk about four more uh, standard decks and then one wild deck deck.
and all the descriptions are going to pretty be pre, be pretty in depth here. So, um, and I, for those of you listening, I feel like you really should stay tuned to listen through all of this because as we get further into the podcast today, uh, the decks are going to be way way wilder. Okay. So right now we just did an odd rogue, which is very vanilla. It's very obvious. We did uh, this tempo value rogue, which is uh, it's different, but it's still pretty similar. It's something we've seen before. And now we're going to talk about a couple mid-range decks that we haven't seen before uh, because these are mech decks. Uh, we haven't seen in this meta so far, but um, they are pretty traditional um, archetypes, right? So the first one is Mech Hunter. Now, let me preface this by saying that I've built a lot of decks, okay? Uh, you know, the, I think this set really inter, uh, interests me, and I, there's like pre- probably, you know, I probably built two or three decks per every class almost. Um, but the decks I'm showing you here are only the ones that I think are very promising or very interesting, very fun. So... This one is, I think, is a very, very promising deck. I think it's going to be actually pretty good. And the reason why I built it is because I wanted to build a deck around the Hunter Legendary Boom Master Flark. Right? So what Boom Master Flark does, it's 7 mana for a 5-5 five, five creature. Battle cry, summon 4 zero, two Goblin Bombs. And Goblin Bombs are these zero, 2 creatures that have a death rattle, deal 2 damage to, an, to your opponent. Okay? Now, now here's the deck list. For neutrals, we have two Dire Mauls, two Mecharoos, two Bronze Gatekeepers, two Nightmare Amalgams, one Void Ripper, two Coppertail Imposters. And for Hunter cards, we have two Candleshot, two Hunter's Mark, two Bomb Toss, two Fireworks Tech, two Goblin Prank, two Venomizer, two Spider Bombs, one Stitch Tracker, two Necromechanic, and one Deathstalker Rexar, and a Boom Master Flark. Now, the idea, what this deck wants to do is it wants to get on the board early with mechs and kind of ride its death rattle slash magnet, uh, magnetic synergy uh, to push damage, to just get like two damage here, three damage here, two, you know what I mean? Like two damage on this turn, four damage with hero power on this turn, you know, three damage with this creature attacking. And then as the game wears on, you want to drop a boom master flark and flip it for eight damage. Right, um, and the way this deck accomplishes that by having very sticky one drops or early game minions that are very resilient. So obviously, Diremol's a good body. It's a beast. It's one three for one. Mechro is also a good body. It's a one one mech with death rattle summon a one one. Now this is very good. It's very similar to Zulok's possessed villager because. Board parity will not be able to clear this. Like, if you drop this on turn one, on the draw, your opponent will only be able to, at most, kill just the, the initial mech, right? Unless he uses a spell on the uh, on the death rattle. Now, that means you keep a guy on board, and then you can buff it with cards like uh, Fireworks Tech, uh, Goblin Prank, if you wanted to, or even, like, Bronze Gatekeeper, or Venomizer, or Spider Bomb. And all these cards, their death rattles are some, or their their abilities are serious business. 
Um, the other early game drop I want to talk about is Bomb Toss. Bomb Toss is a spell. It's, it's a common spell, so it's two mana to deal two damage, and you summon a zero two Goblin Bomb. So basically, you can consider this as a creature, as a Goblin Bomb, a zero two creature with Battlecry deal two damage. That is pretty good. Now the bomb doesn't have an attack; it's zero two, but because of metallic or uh, I'm sorry, uh, magnetized, magnetic, um, there's going to be very easy ways to to make it bigger you can connect it to a bronze gatekeeper so you make it a one seven taunt you can connect it with the fireworks uh or you can buff it with the fireworks tech making it a one three which also triggers the, de the death rattle so it does two damage you can connect it with a goblin prank which will give it plus three plus three and then it dies at the end of the turn you can connect it with a venomizer which will make it a one four with poisonous you can connect it with a spider bomb, which will make it a one, uh, sorry, a two four with death rattle destroy a random enemy minion, um, and you can just do so much more. You can flip it with a void ripper and just do the damage to the face. Like th this deck has quite a bit of synergy with the early game bombs, and the thing is, like if your opponent sees a zero two bomb he may not even attack it. Like, he may just leave it on the board. And if he attacks it and kills it, so be it. He kills it. That's that's fine. You still do the two damage, and the spell did two damage for you. So you got to remove a creature, uh, and you, you it had pseudo-taunt, and you got to deal two more damage when it dies. Like, it's, it's pretty incredible early game synergy that some classes are going to have troubles dealing with. Shamans, for one. Uh, like, I, th I think Warrior, well, I think Warrior would even have problems with this. Mage will have problems with this. Uh, this, this deck would do a good against most decks, except maybe Priest, right? Um, so yeah, after those early game creatures, like I said, you curve into slightly better creatures like Spider Bomb, uh, Copper Tail Monster, and your top end is Necromechanic, which is a five for a three, six, your Death Rattles trigger twice. Um, you want to hit that and then curve into Boom Master Flark and then flip over the combo, right? Is it a perfect deck? No. But I think it's highly, highly <clears throat> promising. It's very promising. And um, I think it will succeed very well in a relatively aggressive environment. It may not do great versus control, but I think it could get there. Like, you know, you can just build up one big mag magnetic minion. And, and do pretty well. So that is the Hunter list. The next list is also very similar, except it's a little slower, but it has a way stronger mid-range game. And that is Prismatic Paladin. So what we got here are 17 uh, Paladin cards, two Glowtrons, two Righteous Protectors, two Annoyal Modules, two Prismatic Lenses, two Mechano Eggs, two such Spike Ridge Steeds, one Sunkeeper Tareem, one Valinir, one Kangor's Endless Army, two Dino Size. For neutrals, we have two Dire Moles, a Prince Kelisith, two Bronze Gatekeepers, one Harvest Golem, two Nightmare Amalgams, one Stonehill Defender, uh, one Copper Tail Imposter, one War Gear, one Zilliax, and one Countess Ashmore. Um, so this deck actually goes a little tall. Like the other deck, the Hunter deck is very good at controlling the board and dealing early damage. Uh, 
this deck wants to land a sticky minion and, and grow it, grow like one or two very big minions uh, because I want to res them with the legendary paladin spell called Kangor's Endless Army, seven mana, resurrect three friendly mechs. They keep any magnetic upgrades. So it behooves me to keep like a Glowtron on board. Uh, and that, this this is the deck. You you really want to mulligan pretty aggressively for Prince Kelisath and against a very uh, aggressive decks, you'll keep Glowtron and maybe even the Righteous Protector. Um, you want to curve out into the three drops, which are Bronze Gatekeeper or the Harvest Golem or Nightmare Amalgams or Stonehill Defender. There's a good number of defensive three drops, two of which have Magnetic and four of which are Mechs. And then you curve out into the good four drop, which is uh, Magnetic Annoyal Module, two, four, Divine Shield and Taunt. It's a pretty solid card. Um, and then you have Mechano Egg, which is a five-mana mech. It's 0-5, but it's Death Rattle is Summon an 8-8 Robosar. This is great because if they decide to leave it on the board, you can buff it with Spike Ridge Steed or Valineer or whatever. Like, you know, there are just multiple ways to make this a good card. Uh, it's a mech, so you can use magnetic stuff on it as well. Now, a couple of things about the deck that are cool. One is Prismatic Lens, a four-mana Paladin spell. Draw a minion and spell from your deck. Swap their costs. So this is good. Four-mana draw two is not efficient, okay? Because Arcane Intellect is three-mana to draw two. So this one is a tutor, though. You're not drawing the top two cards off the deck. You're drawing a minion and a spell. Anytime you tutor for cards, you should consider that card relatively powerful, Okay. Because a tutor means that you can build your deck in a way that you can dictate as best you can what this card draws. So obviously, minions and spells, I either want to play very little minions or I want to play very little spells. Hearthstone is a game of tempo, so we want to play a fewer number of spells. So my only spells in the deck are Dino Size. Uh, Prismatic Lens, of course, uh, Spike Ridge Steed, and Kangor's Endless Army. So we are running one, two, three, four, five, six, seven spells, two of them which are actually Prismatic Lenses, right? So assuming in most situations, Prismatic Lens is going to flip over a spell that costs either six, seven, or eight mana, and a creature that costs less than six. So all the time, or almost 90% of the time, I'm going to get a spell that is going to cost six or less, or uh, cost five or less. Most, right, almost all of the time. Now, Kangor's Endless Army at seven, is it good? Yeah, it's probably pretty good. At five, it's pretty great. Dino Size, at eight, it's good. At five, it's amazing. Spike Ridge Steed, at five, it's better, right? Like, these are... Any of these spells are great if you pay for them less. Now, at five, those cards are amazing. So can you imagine what they are at four, at three, at one? And, and that's, that's kind of one of the cool things about the deck. Because you can afford to make a one-drop cost eight, like one-drop creature. You can make it cost eight. It's okay. You never have to play the one-drop. Because at the end of the game, or as it turns weighing on, you know, one drop is going to lack the value that you need at that point in the game, right? Instead, now you get a dino size that costs one and a righteous protector that costs eight.
right? So that's the idea and strategy behind this deck. Um, there's that obvious synergy there. One other synergy that is semi-cute and actually pretty good in my mind and, you know, uh, is Countess Ashmore. Countess Ashmore is the only creature above uh, five, okay? Well, um, aside from some Keeper Tarim, but we don't count him because he's just the best Paladin card in the game. So Countess Ashmore is a seven mana, six, six battle cry. Draw a Rush, Lifesteal, and Death Rattle card from your deck. There is only one death rattle. There are, there are three death rattle cards in a deck, two mechanical eggs. Um, and where is that card? Uh, one Zilliax, right? They all cost five. Zilliax is a five mana, three, two magnetic mech with divine shield, taunt, lifestyle, rush. So whenever you play Ashmore, you're guaranteed to draw one of those three five drops. And you are also guaranteed to draw a Valinir, which is your weapon because it is the, um, well, I'm sorry. Whenever you play the Ashmore, you're going to draw Zilliax because it has Rush. No other card has Rush. Uh, you may draw Righteous Protector, which has Divine Shield. And you will draw either Valinir or your Egg. And Valinir, I think, is strong in the deck because the Death Rattle is giving Minion in your hand for plus four, plus two. Um, so if it gets on a mech, a magnetic mech, and you magnetize something on the board... If that mech dies, when you res it with Kangors, it keeps that buff. Okay? Because it was part of the card in hand, just like how it would be with Prince Kalasas. Uh, I think this deck's pretty strong, and I think it's pretty fair. Like, it doesn't do anything that's, like, overly, like, crazy. Um, but it's good. It's a, it's a good... It's a good... Um, it's got a good curve and, and it's decent. Like, I, if there is a change, um, I would get rid of Countess Ashmore Valinir uh, package and go for something slower. You know, either more one drops or three drops. Uh, other option is to cut out mechanical mechano egg, but that I am unsure of. Like, I I, I kind of feel this card is good. I I really had a soft spot for Skelemancer, which is very similar. Uh, to Mechano Egg. Uh, the Egg is just uh, quite a bit better. So, And I played Skelemancer often, so I would like to to actually use the Mechano Egg, Mechano egg a lot. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it does. Um, yep, this deck is pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. Um, I really wanted to build either around Crystology or Prismatic Lens, and I chose Prismatic Lens because it's. I feel like it does... Uh, pretty crazy things um and it it um rewards creative deck building right and that's one of the things i want to build most upon so yeah like i said countess ashmore is really a value play but it might not even be necessary because of the how fat the middle of this curve is uh but you know so it's good to it's good always good to try new things so uh i want to put her in a deck and see if she works Okay, so we talked about the Hunter, we talked about the Paladin, we talked about two Rogue decks. So now we got two more decks, and then one Wild deck. Now this, now we've reached a point where the decks are going to get a little crazy. Um, and this appeals to more of the Timmy player inside, as opposed to the Johnny player. Are they competitive? I am unsure. Are they cool? They are absolutely cool, and I think... 
you know, you should try one of them out if you are lucky enough to pull any of these um, uh, legendaries, okay? So the first one is Even Hemet Warlock, okay? I know that sounds pretty crazy. And its win condition is Mountain Giants, like what typical Even Warlock plays, and Mechathune. So Mechathune is a new Cthune. It's a Mech Cthune. It is 10 mana for a 10 10. Death Rattle, if you have no cards in your deck, hand and battlefield, destroy the enemy hero. It's a meme card, right? This is very difficult to accomplish, but everyone's going to want to try it. So for us, this is our combo. Our combo is Galvanizer, which is a 2 mana 1 2 mech. Battle Cry, reduce the cost of mechs in your hand by 1. You have Mechathune in your hand, you play Galvanizer twice. Now your Mechathune costs 8. And then when you have no more cards in your deck, you play Blood Bloom, targeting Blood Bloom is a two-mana spell. Your next spell this turn costs health. Uh, Blood Bloom targeting Cataclysm, which is a four. Uh, well, first you play Mechathune for eight. Then you play Blood Bloom uh, targeting Cataclysm, which is a four-mana spell. Destroy all minions, discard your hand. And that's what you do. And if you have no cards in your deck, you win right there on the spot. Ten-mana combo. Uh, but a lot of things have to happen here. Number one, you have to survive with 10 mana. Number two, you have to have these combo cards in your hand, the Mechathune, Cataclysm, and Blood Bloom. Number three, Galvanizer has to hit Mechathune twice. Uh, number four is you have to have no cards in the deck. Now, <laughs> that's difficult. That is a challenging thing to accomplish. Um, and you that's why I think Evenlock is a good fit, because you have Life Tap for one mana, uh, which means you're going to draw quite a bit of it, and that's why you have Hemet, because you need you need to absolutely absolutely thin your deck. So any card here that costs more than four is either a combo piece, removal, or it gives you life. Right. So we have, here's a deck list, two Blood Booms, two Defiles, two Drain Souls, one Spirit Bomb. I'm actually thinking of even taking out Spirit Bomb for like Earthen Ring Farseer or something. Two Vulgar Homunculus, one Cataclysm, two Hellfire, two Lesser Amethyst Spellstone, one Glinda Crowskin, one Siphon Soul, one Twisting Nether, two Doomsayers, two Galvanizers, two Plated Beetles, two Shroom Brewers, one Gen Greymane, one Hemet, one Mechathune, and two Mountain Giants. So we're running quite a few uh, heal cards. We're running the Shroom Brewer. We're running Lesser Amethyst Spellstone. We're running Double Drain Soul. Um, we're running a Siphon Soul. Those cards heal. We are running Plated Beetles. But I don't know if they heal enough. Um, and yeah, we just want to draw through that deck as quick as possible. We are also running Glinda Crowskin. And Glinda Crowskin is here so that if you have one Galvanizer in hand, you can play Hemet. So what Hemet does is six mana, six, six, battle cry, destroy all cards in your deck that cost three. So it will destroy Galvanizers and will destroy Blood Bloom. So you cannot play Hemet until you have one Blood Bloom and one Galvanizer in hand, no matter what. You know, as long as you have a Galvanizer and a Blood Bloom, you're good to play Hemet. Because Glinda can, you can, on, on a 10 mana turn, you can play Glinda, then you can play Galvanizer twice. And then that's going to be enough for you to get the combo, right? Uh, this deck is pretty sick. Um, you play it. Uh, 
how just like how you play normal even knock and you play Hammett as early as possible. Hopefully the board is clear or you have the board. Um, and then you just hope to get there. You know, there are quite a bit of cards that cost more than four here. There are um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So half of the deck costs more than four. So you are going to be spending quite a few turns drawing. So you need, it's, it's a pretty important to use life tap. But uh, yeah, this is a very cool deck, theory crafted deck. I think it will do pretty well. Um, give it a try. Like I, you know, I, I don't know like cards that I don't think are perfect fits are like Spirit Bomb, which is a two mana deal four damage to a minion and a hero. I think if we had one more card that can gain us life, it, it'd be a good fit there. A significant amount of life, like maybe even a uh, sacrificial pact. I'm not really sure, but Spirit Bomb. It's make or break. It's a make or break card. Anyway, so that's the deck. And we have one more standard deck, and this one is a doozy. This one is crazy. This one is the craziest deck. It is the craziest win condition. I think you guys are going to love this. Even crazier than, than Mechathune. Mechathune is kind of a meme idea, I think, you know. So this is a OTK Quest Priest. I, I know, that sounds crazy. So, basically, the quest archetype is in here uh, just to heal up, just so you survive. Because um, this tech, uh, this deck takes nine mana, and it relies on seven cards. So, that's a significant, a significant amount of cards to have drawn already by turn nine. And, you know... Assuming you can play doubles of every combo piece and you have seven combo pieces, that means you're going to play 14 cards that are combo pieces. So that means half of your deck is combo pieces, meaning they do nothing because they stay in your hand. Uh, and that means the other 16 cards in your hand or in your deck uh, really have to do a, one of two things. They either have to mitigate damage on the board by either healing you or killing things on the board. Um, or they have to draw you to the combo quicker. And that's why I picked Awaken the Make the Quest shell, because you can play the quest on one, and then you can play new creatures like Dead Ringer, which have a death rattle, to tutor uh, for more death rattles. And in the deck, all I'm running are death rattles that draw me cards or that are part of the combo. So the combo is this. You need nine mana, and you need these seven cards. You need one topsy-turvy, one test subject. You need two radiant elementals. You need one vivid nightmare. Uh, you need one topsy-turvy. Did I say that? One topsy-turvy, one test subject, two radiant elementals, one vivid nightmare, one divine spirit, and one stone tusk boar. Okay. <clears throat> now, the other option is... You can either have two elementals and one vivid nightmare or one elemental and two vivid nightmares. Those are interchangeable, okay? Uh, so that's quite a bit of cards. Uh, and the combo is this. You play the four creatures down. So you play the boar, you play the radiance, um, and then you play test subject. <clears throat> that will leave you with three buffs in hand. Uh, Topsy-turvy slash divine spirit slash uh, vivid nightmare, right? 
And then what you do is you play Divine Spirit and Vivid Nightmare onto the test subject. Then you play Topsy Turvy onto the test subject. That will kill the test subject, but you'll have another test subject on the board from Vivid Nightmare, and it will send buffs back to your hand. So then you use the Divine Spirit and Vivid Nightmare again on the test subject. Now, this second test subject will have two Divine Spirits and two Vivid Nightmares on it. And the third subject, test subject will, will come alive. So you play Topsy Turvy on that. It kills the creature. You get all the buffs back to your hand. Um, then you Divine Spirit, your Radiant Elemental. Or I'm sorry, you Vivid Nightmares, your Radiant Elemental. Now you have three Radiant Elementals on the board, and all spells in your hand are free. And you just keep cycling these spells until you build a 32-bit uh, uh, bore. And you copy that four times, and you just swing for lethal. So, and, and there are different variations of that, right? Um, I'll, I'll put a table into the guide so you can see how that combo works. It's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Um, and it doesn't matter if they have taunts on the board or if they have an open board. You can, as long as you have those cards and nine mana, you can achieve that combo. It's incredible. Uh, like I said, the rest of the deck just kind of kind of gets you to that point, right? So we're running two Topsy Turvy, one Awakening the Makers, two Power Ward Shields, two Test Subject, two Dead Ringers, two Divine Spirits, two Radiant Elementals, two Shadow Visions, two Spirit Lash, two Twilight's Call, two Vivid Nightmares, one Tortolan Shellraiser, two Psychic Screams, two Stone Tusk Boar, one Blood Mage Thanos, two Light Hoarders, and one Sandbinder. So any card that's not part of the combo draws you a combo piece or another card that draws Sandbiter draws Radiant Elementals. Uh, loot Hoarders and Blood Mage are draw cards. Dead Ringer draws your test subject or the Loot Hoarders and Blood Mage. Um, you know, everything else is a combo piece or removal. So really cool and interesting deck. I think, you know, this might not be the right shell for it, but I, I do think this Topsy-Turvy slash test subject combo can have a lot of play behind it. So I'm interesting. I'm interested in to see how this builds, and it's definitely one of the decks that I'm going to try early, um, especially since it's cheap. Uh, you know, Topsy Turvy is a common, Test Subject is a rare, Dead Ringer is a common. Like, those are the only new cards you need. Everything else is an existing card. So it's a great new deck to try out. I had originally tried to make a deck with Xerix's uh, Lab or whatever, the new Zer new Legendary, but I just couldn't really come up with anything su suitable. So we're going to put that on hold. But I think it's definitely a cool deck. Very cheap to build, and it might be very, very interesting, very fun. It's very challenging and rewarding to play. Now I'm going to talk about one final deck. Like, And guys, like, I, let me just say this again. These aren't all the deck ideas out there. There are obviously many different things you can do. You can play Pogo Rogue. You can play any kind of, any number of mage decks. You can play Token Druid. You know, you can play all Maligos Druid. You can play Togwoggle Druid. There are just so many um, different ideas, right? But these are the ones that I just wanted to focus on first. Like, I think a lot of times people were like, man, you know, I want to build all these decks and I want to find the best one and that, that's what I'm going to play. But the reality is, like, if you want to create a good deck, you need to play a volume of games on it. And if you have 10 or 20 decks, that means you're spending so much time on different types of archetypes instead of fine-tuning one. So I've already got seven here. This is already too much, but uh, you know, I, I, 
I think these these are all decks I'm going to enjoy playing or trying out. And if some don't work and I, I don't feel like uh, working on developing them, then I'll just put those to the side. But I'm fairly certain that these are going to be playable. Now, the last deck I want to talk about is a wild deck. Last week, we talked about Togwoggle Druid. And all we're going to do is update that deck in wild because Druid just got all the crazy cards. Um, I think it's pretty clear that people are going to be trying all types of new stuff with Druid. And instead of reinventing the wheel, I'm just going to wait for them to tell me what's cool. Um, but I, for a fact, play a lot of Togwoggle Druid in wild. And I think it's a strong deck uh, with polarizing matchups. But uh, I think this set really did improve it. So we're looking at my Reno Wago Mill deck. And these are the cards in it. Two Doomsayers, one Blingtron, one Dollmaster Dorian, one Hemet Jungle Hunter, one Reno Jackson, one Azalina Soul Thief, and one King Togwago. Like that's a cra <laughs> that is a crazy amount of legendaries there on that side. And for class cards, we got two Innervates, one Biology Project, two Lesser Jasper Spellstone, two Wild Growth, two Ferocious Howl, two Jade Blossom, one Mulch, two Branching Paths, one Flabidinous Floop, one Juicy Psych Melon, one Twig of the World Tree, two Nourish, one Aviana, one Kun, and one Ultimate Infestation. So if you want a full breakdown of this deck, you can listen to my previous podcast, Episode 6. Um, but I want to talk to you about the upgrades that this deck got with the new set. Um, typically, the game plan was to get Hammett on the board and then just draw as hard as you can, completing the combo, or at least part of the combo, and then like breaking Twig or using Aviana and Kun to to refill the board and then just drawing out your deck and playing a Reno to heal the one uh, heal to full health, yada yada yada. A crazy deck idea, um, but we're gonna make it a lot stronger now with the addition of three cards. So what we've added here is Biology Project, one mana spell, each player gains two mana crystals. So this is a Nourish, okay? This is a one mana Nourish that hits both sides. Typically, since you get the mana first before your opponent, this is already good. And obviously, an uh, opponent with three mana is better than an opponent with one mana. But it doesn't matter because you think versus aggro, the, the extra mana helps them achieve their goal quicker, but it also jumps them ahead of the curve. So if they had cards already to play on the earlier part of the curve, it kind of messes that up unless they go wide, right? Um, or they keep those cards in hand. So I really think playing one is okay. Two might be too greedy, but, but I think one is just a good amount. We have also added Flabidinous Flute, which is a four mana, three, four legendary creature. While in your hand, this is a three, four copy of the last minion you played. So it means if you play Togwoggle, this is a Togwoggle for four mana. If you play an Aviana, this is an Aviana for four mana. Uh, it is extremely versatile and it's going to do a lot of different things for you. It is a, another way for you to combo without having to have Twig of the World Tree, Aviana Kun, uh, or holding an Innervate. Okay. It's a, Excellent, excellent card. Uh, and another card we've added is one copy of this epic spell, four mana, juicy psych melon. Draw a seven, eight, nine, and ten cost minion from your deck. Um, 
If you listened last week, we had a Medivh in this deck. We don't have a Medivh anymore because a Medivh costs 8 and Togwago costs 8. So basically, this thing just draws a combo. You draw a 7-mana minion, Azelina. You draw an 8-mana minion, King Togwago. You draw a 9-mana minion, Aviana. And then you draw a 10-mana minion, which is Kun the Forgotten King. So you draw the combo with this one card, Tutor. It is incredible. It is incredible. And it is even better. Like, and there's no reason to run two. Like, if you see this card earlier, then you use it. You get the cool. You get all the combo cards. That's great. But uh, if you don't see it, it's fine. You, you're going to see other things. But this card is very good with another card, and there's one more addition to the deck, which I think is great. And that's Dollmaster Dorian. Dollmaster Dorian is the five mana two six creature. Whenever you draw a minion, summon a one one copy of it. So this is your turn ten play. Uh, you play Dollmaster Dorian, uh, Juicy Psych Melon, and that'll draw a 7, 8, 9, and 10 cost minion from your deck. Um, so you you want this when you don't have Azelina in hand, okay? That's when you want to play this thing with, with Dollmaster Dorian and Psych Melon. Uh, if you have Azelina in hand, then then this combo isn't as strong, but once you have Avian, uh, if Avian is in your deck, then this combo will allow you to combo off immediately with 10 mana or 9 mana innervate. So you play Dollmaster Dorian, you play Juicy Psych Melon. Uh, let's imagine that you have Azelina and King Togwago in your hand, but you don't have Aviana and Kun. So the Psych Melon will allow you to draw the two that you don't have. So now you have Aviana and Kun in the hand, and on the board, you have a 1-1 one, one Aviana, which means all your minions cost one. You use the one extra mana to, to play Kun. You refresh your mana crystals for 10, and then you play the combo. King Togwago into Azelina Soltiv. An incredible, incredible uh, combo. Amazing. And I, I think the deck has a lot of that stuff. A lot of crazy, crazy plays. Like, the crazy thing, too, like, is... I mean, you you get a 1-1 one, one Aviana. It doesn't mean you have to play the other Aviana in your hand. You could play the 1-1 one, one Aviana, play Kun, refresh the crystals, and throw a UI. You know, whatever it may be. Like, you, you don't need to go with uh, with the combo there. Like, it just, it's just such an incredible turn. I, I think that's one of the strongest combos in the in the game. Dole Master Dorian plus Juice, Juicy Psych Melon. Uh, it's one of the greatest values you can get. Uh, and yeah, it's pretty worth it. So anyway, that is a deck in a nutshell. Like I said, we've, we talked that deck to death in uh, previous podcasts. And so far we have covered the seven decks that I think you should try out uh, once the uh, expansion hits, which is in a couple days from now. I'll put deck codes uh, in the description. And I will also put a uh, link to an article that I wrote about these decks that you can take a look at. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me at twitter.com slash consanityhs or follow me on my YouTube, youtube.com slash consanityhs and, uh, or you can watch me on my Twitch where I stream, twitch.tv slash consanity. Uh, of course, let me know what you guys are deck building, what you think is cool, and have fun. <laughs>